When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Big thanks to our sponsor, 16 Degrees Coaching. Do you feel stuck in your current job? Do you wish you had a career you loved? James, from 16 Degrees Coaching, specialises in working with people like you. He'll help you find clarity in what you want to do next, even when you have no idea yourself, and confidence to move forwards. To see the success James has had in helping others with their careers, and to find out what he can do for you, visit his website, 16degreescoaching.co.uk, to book a free consultation, or follow the link on ours. Welcome to Season 2 of The Backstory. I'm Claire Mutimer, and with my podcasting partner Susie Coulson, we're very excited to be back with a whole new set of stories. Great, compelling personal accounts from people who have been through a whole variety of life's big challenges. This is the kind of grit that's going on in everyone's every day that we need to talk about more. But this week, we've broken away from our norm to bring you a slightly different backstory, that of Norman Lamb, former care minister in the coalition government and one of the few Lib Dem MPs who survived the great cull of the last election. We approached him because we felt he was a great match for the backstory. A huge mental health campaigner, he has personally and politically had first-hand experience of what it's like to navigate the mental health system. He is well known both nationally and in particular where Susie and I live, in North Norfolk, where he's been the MP since 2001. Susie met with Norman to find out more. We're all ultimately vulnerable. Uh, we're fragile uh, human beings and uh, adversity can strike any of us at any moment. I went to interview Norman Lamb in his inauspicious constituency office near to the local garden centre. He talks a lot about mental health He's also spoken about how his own family has been affected by mental health issues, specifically his son Archie's struggle with OCD and the death of his sister Catherine, who killed herself in 2015. I started off by asking about Archie. There are still issues, of course, you know, we all have mental health. Um, We're all on a sort of continuum um, and but I think he's become much better, more mature at managing uh, the challenges that he faces. 
um, and has done so incredibly imp- impressively. I, you know, I've got enormous admiration for how he's turned himself around, really, uh, after a very difficult period. We made a programme on uh, women with OCD and what surprised me was the different ways in which it can manifest itself and I think she felt a degree of frustration at the the stereotype of people turning on and off light switches. Can I ask how your son's OCD manifested itself? So you hear people talk about them being I'm feeling a bit OCD today um, and that is and it's a to- an entirely innocent thing that people say they, they don't mean to be offensive in any way uh, but it, it completely uh, misses the point about OCD. Uh, OCD in its true form um, uh, involves uh, obsessive dark thoughts. Uh, so you get something fixated in your mind that you can't remove. Um, and it's often things that people feel very ashamed about. So, uh, and I have no idea really what the dark thoughts are that Archie's coped with. I haven't ever been there with him. Um, But it could, for example, involve you feeling, you know, I could kill my mother. Um, I'm holding this knife. I could kill someone. Um, What's stopping me from doing this? And it's a sort of an irrational thought. And, you know, when I went, I, I visited the Maudsley Hospital in London to the head of the anxiety unit there. He described this to me and he, he, he said that uh, often it's the people who are least likely to do something awful who, and it's sort of like an overblown conscience, um, but you can't escape from it. And, and then you, you start to develop rituals, the washing, uh, the checking, uh, in order to, you know, if I do X, Y and Z, then this awful thing won't happen. Um, and and then you become completely trapped by the rituals. So there was a time when he found it hard to walk down a road because he keeps seeing sharp objects on the ground and he would have to pick them all up to check them. Um, and so this, you know, you can imagine for a teenager, this is extraordinarily disabling. And I remember the moment when he said to me, Dad, why am I the only person who's going mad? And it's, you know, for a parent to hear that, uh, that's quite hard. Um, and you realise that, you know, teenagers can be brutal at the best of times. But if you're trying to cope with something like that on top of everything else, that really is quite tough. And, you know, it starts to explain some of the pretty awful behaviour, you know. As a parent, um, I imagine it's incredibly difficult seeing your child go through anything like that. Did you have any sense of how best to respond well, that's an interesting point because one of the things that I uh, stress when I speak about uh, young people's mental health is that often parents are left completely sort of stranded. Uh, we had no guidance really at all from anyone about how we should be supporting him. And it's quite interesting with OCD because, you know, you, uh, often the individual will say, uh, you know, Dad, have I checked? Is the, is the oven off uh, as you're going out of the house? And uh, do you indulge that by going and checking that the oven's off? Or do you say, no, of course it's off. Um, And going down either route uh, will have consequences. But you don't know which route you should be going down, whether to indulge the obsession or whether to uh, sort of crush it. Um, 
and and so I think you know in dealing with young people's mental health as as much as possible you should be trying to work with the whole family unit because the knock-on effect on the whole family is profound and, and that that includes and it's really important to stress this the siblings as well so Archie has a younger brother Ned and so the great danger of course is that um, as you're trying to cope with this quite complex individual very easy not to give time to the sibling so you always have to make sure that you're trying to compensate for that uh, and to you know treat them both equally how's he doing now uh, so he's in a miles better place now uh, and doing very well in the music business um, he's just um, established his own mini record label under the virgin umbrella uh, he has artists that he manages um, and uh, he's incredibly busy, works long hours, uh, and is very driven uh, in what he does. Um, and we've remained close. Archie launched the career of Tinchy Strider and has been out to meet with Jay-Z. Come on, even I've heard of those guys. It's pretty impressive stuff. I hadn't planned to ask about the death of Norman's sister, but he'd mentioned her as I was setting up the microphone, so I checked whether he'd be okay to talk about the impact of her death. I uh, became interested in mental health as an opposition spokesperson back in the last decade and became aware that people with mental ill health suffered a disadvantage within the NHS. They didn't have the same right to access treatment on a timely basis and so on. Then we, you know, we, we had our own experience with our son, uh, and we were let down by the NHS ourselves. We were told we'd have to wait six months for treatment. Uh, and we couldn't wait that long. So what did we do? Well, we paid for treatment. Uh, and uh, But how can you justify a situation where people who have money can get access to help and others can't? But that's the reality in this country. Uh, then, um, after our mother died, um, my oldest sister, Catherine, uh, experienced uh, a period of severe clinical depression uh, I think which was probably triggered by our mother's death uh, and she ended up as a, an inpatient for about 10 weeks um, and uh, was subsequently discharged and some months later uh, took her own life um, and so our family has gone through the trauma that very many families around our country experience with the loss of a loved one through suicide. Interestingly, before any of this happened as a minister, uh, together with Nick Clegg, that much maligned uh, individual who was always totally supportive of what I was doing on mental health and always sought to get money available for what I was doing, um, he and I together launched what we called Zero Suicide Ambition, this comes from Detroit originally, where um, they had a very high suicide rate and they sought to confront that and to be much more audacious and ambitious in reducing the suicide rate. So they sort of took the view no suicide is, no number of suicides is an acceptable number and that we should aim to save every life. So we launched that same sort of national ambition in this country and we challenged mental health trusts to... 
adopt that approach uh, and to because we know the evidence the evidence is there about how we can save lives but we're not giving it enough priority uh, so be audacious and then apply evidence uh, and and then I lost my own sister uh, and so the experience of all of this and and also learning about you know the the how she was cared for uh, and there was no expense spared in, in the care that she received in her part of the country but I just asked the question, was it the best way of... Uh, she was kept as an inpatient, but actually, I think, reconnecting her with her social contacts, her neighbours, her friends, uh, the things that she was motivated by, perhaps that might have been a more effective way at giving her a life back. I don't begin to diminish the complexity of this, uh, but I, but I'm interested in how we... Uh, become more effective at saving lives and uh, and so I'm very much um, driven by the ambition to reduce the suicide rate in our country I'm involved with a group who've who are sort of pursuing this zero suicide ambition they've got more than half of the mental health trusts across the country signed up Uh, I think it there's nothing that is more important ultimately than saving lives uh, the knock-on effect of a suicide is uh, profound amongst uh, both family and friends and work colleagues. So um, it's a really important uh, objective. But again, you know, I think it's uh, uh, my interest in this issue has been informed by our own family's loss, um, but not formed by it. Straight into policy. I wonder if that's the case with all politicians. When faced with a problem on a societal scale, I think my tendency is to feel slightly dispirited, shrug my shoulders and assume that the problem is just too big to tackle. But Norman's response is different. And as a politician, it's right that it should be. His response is to ask, what do we know about this problem and what can we do with that knowledge? I wondered whether he looks after himself. (laughs) Uh, well probably not well enough Um, uh, this job is all consuming and uh, you know you do if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do commit body and soul to it. Uh, if you want to do it in the way I've chosen to do it, and I don't, you know, there are different models for doing this job. There's no job description. No one tells you what really what to do. You know, it is completely all-consuming, uh, and I don't get enough of a break. Uh, I don't get enough sleep. Um, I do try to keep myself moderately fit. Um, I run once a week. Uh, I get on my bike when I'm back in Norfolk. Uh, I go and watch Norwich City, which uh, is often more stressful than uh, <laughs> re- relaxing. Um, and um, we have a close family. Do you get time alone where you're not working, where you're not? I mean, you said that you're out on the bike when you're when you're cycling or when you're running. Do you are you thinking about politics? Are you thinking about work or are you thinking about other stuff? Well, quite often you are thinking about um uh, politics, the job, uh, pressures, uh, stresses. There's often, you know, there's something looming on the horizon, a, a speech that you have to make or whatever that you can't necessarily uh, escape from. And I, I'm not someone who just has um, total self-confidence at all. I can relate to this and I imagine you can too, unless you're Boris Johnson. When I went into government um, particularly but not exclusively uh, this is the case with the conservatives but in the conservatives there are very very many people who've been to top public schools um, and top universities and um, who are totally self-confident and to start with um, I thought to myself what the hell am I doing here and not having the confidence to um, uh, speak out and to um, uh, sort of develop my um, role and my influence. And then bit by bit, you start to realise that actually some of the people who have enormous self-confidence are actually fools and are rather stupid. It's not the case with all of them. There are, there are many who are good people who are trying to do the, the right thing, but there, the, it's not a given that people with great self-confidence have great ability or great judgment that's the key thing having good judgment uh wise judgment and and so bit by bit you start to think oh hang on a minute i've got something to say here uh and actually they're being very stupid on this um and so bit by bit as a minister you sort of learn uh how you can uh, achieve things uh, how you can use power to get things done uh, so you become i think more effective as you do your job but you know, going into Parliament and then becoming a minister, these are big hurdles, psychological hurdles I had to overcome. Speaking in Parliament, big hurdle. Um, and I still get nervous, you know, in, in public uh, events, going on to BBC Question Time, which I've done, you know, five or six times now. Uh, but it's it's scary to, to do it. Um, 
but I think bit by bit, the psychological hurdles uh, are overcome and you move on to the next stage. But it's not easy. I wish that we could figure out how to replicate that confidence across the state sector so that all totally. children totally. grew up with it. Totally. And that, you know, the, the absence of social mobility in our country is a massive issue, I think. And, you know, uh, it's both wrong because there are people with enormous talent who don't get the opportunity to use that talent. Uh, but also it's very stupid because the country is not exploiting its human capital effectively. The pool of people who become top judges, top politicians, top business people, top people in the media um, is a very small pool because they're being selected far too much from uh, private schools. You speak quite plainly. Do you think you, I know you were 60 recently, weren't you? Have you changed? Do you think you're different now from how you were in your 40s? Do you think you're a bit more inclined to kind of speak a bit more bluntly? Uh, I've, well, uh, I think you you do get to the point where you just decide, I'm just going to say what I think. Um, and to hell with the consequences, as it were. And so I think you you become more confident at just being straight, totally straight. I've always tried to be straight and uh, I've tried to avoid through my political career getting involved in the sort of slanging match because I think that just turns people off. Um, but I think it becomes a little easier to be open uh, as you, uh, you know, I, I've I've been a minister now. I, I'm one of a small number of people, certainly liberals in the post-war period, who've had that opportunity. I've been very lucky with that. Uh, I don't want to always just be cautious. What's the point? You know, you achieve nothing. So speak out and be, be straight with people about issues that you care about. Norman's personal experiences have clearly brought a depth of understanding to his political career. But it's clear that his interest in politics was there from an early age. There's a photograph of me with a liberal rosette, I'm afraid, at the age of about five. So it goes back a long way. Is that your William Hague moment? (laughs) I tried to avoid that association. (laughs) And you went off to study law. Was that something that you knew you wanted to go into? Or do I don't know whether people drift into the law. What prompted that? Uh, so I went to university initially to do social sciences. I was not a great achiever at all. Uh, I got in through clearing. Uh, I had two uh, bright older sisters, um, uh, both of whom had been head girl of their schools. Uh, and then I came along. And I think my parents, uh, they weren't necessarily in despair about me, but I don't think they had any enormous expectations uh, for me. Norman was more interested in football and art, but as he puts it, he conformed and went to Leicester University, transferring to a law degree after his first year. Upon graduation, he was elected as chair of the university's law society and through that ended up working as a parliamentary assistant for a Labour MP. My feeling is that There are two sorts of politicians, and I don't know whether this is unfair, but my feeling is that there are some who want to achieve that position as a way of bringing about change, whatever they believe positive change to be. And there are others that I think are drawn to it for the position of power that it it holds. And I'm sure that you must have come across the latter 
um, in in your professional career. How do you deal with with people who are maybe in politics for different reasons from yourself? Yeah, I always I always say that I think politics and and Parliament reflect society. You know, it, it's a whole mix of people, six hundred and fifty people. And there are some people who are very much motivated by trying to do the right thing as they see it. They have, a, of course, there's a wide variation of perspectives uh, on how to achieve a better society. Uh, and there are others who are very much in it for status, for um, uh, position, uh, and perhaps the wrong reasons. But, you know, in a way, that's just the same anywhere in society. Some people uh, go into politics with the right motivations, but... It's quite difficult sometimes to stay true to what you believe in. Sometimes people lose sight of what they went in for uh, and it becomes a game. Uh, and that's what you've got to try and avoid. There are moments when you you are encouraged to compromise um, and sometimes it's right to compromise. Norman certainly had experience of compromise, having served in the coalition government. And in a way, the experience in the coalition is a sort of classic case study really because there were various occasions when uh, I could have resigned from my position in the government and made a stand and then of course you're on the outside and you have no longer any influence. Now I stayed through that the coalition and I continue to believe that we did some very valuable things whilst at the same time there are things that the coalition government did which um Uh, I disagreed with. And of course, when you're a minister, you're still a constituency MP, attending local meetings and being told in no uncertain terms what your constituents think. That's what you have to do, though. And and if you take responsibility, you have to be able to justify yourself and to be accountable. Um, So, you know, absolutely right to put yourself in front of that sort of... um, uh, 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 gathering uh, but the whole experience was at times quite brutal um, uh, and you know a- aggressive abuse is not something particularly enjoyable um, and you know you there are many ways of having a uh, a more enjoyable life <laughs> at times like that. Not a job for the faint-hearted and to return to where we started there's family life to consider Norman's wife, Mary, has been hugely supportive throughout his political career. Politics breaks a lot of marriages. That's the brutal truth of it. Um, And you're away from home a lot. You know, every week you're in London for uh, four days. Um, And that creates enormous strains. And, And when our two boys, I mean, I was elected when our two sons were, you know, 12, 9, that sort of age. And... And so we went through the teenage years with me being absent for much of the week, which meant that Mary was in effect a single parent uh, for chunks of time during some really difficult years. And so she was on the front line, as it were. The bottom line is that um, we've had a a very, I think, a very close partnership, um, which has seen us through difficult times. which you couldn't have got through, I don't think, on your own. Um, And also, 
you know, if there was ever any risk of me getting above myself because of this job. And sometimes you get blandishments and people being, you know, nice about you and so forth. I was always brought right down to earth by Mary's. Thank you to Norman Lamb and to everyone in the office who kept the noise down during the recording. What struck us both was the overlap between the personal and political. We'll be talking about this more on Backchat, which goes out this Friday, the 16th of March. We'll also be returning to the subject of suicide soon. Never an easy listen, we know, but we think there are stories worth telling. If you're interested in the OCD element of this story, you may like to listen to episode three of season one, An Unwelcome Presence. Next week, we'll hear from Martin and Mo, who in their 50s unexpectedly welcomed a new member into the family that took their lives in a completely different direction. If you've listened before, then thanks for sticking with us during our break. If you're new to the backstory, then a big hello. Do get in touch with questions and comments about this or any of our other episodes. Or if you have a backstory to tell, then we'd love to hear from you. We are at The Backstory Pod on Twitter and The Backstory Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. To support us, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, like and share our stuff on social media, and get a friend to subscribe. It really helps. Join us on Tuesday the 20th of March to hear Martin and Moe's backstory. And don't forget to join us this Friday for Backchat. See you then. Thanks again to our sponsor, James, from 16 Degrees Coaching. Don't let your backstory define your future. Email him, james at 16degreescoaching.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.